Watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Bayheim! Wow, is that silence in a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Stop up. It. Pop pass up the middle. Got Tucker's it. got it. Room to run. 15-10. Hit it in. Bradley touchdown. The Bills make me wanna shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. In go to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing in the mix. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On The Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.100.1.
what are you thinking? You're breaking out the prep material, or are you thinking, I don't know, the Colts kind of stink, so maybe the Vikings make this interesting, and they did a little bit more than that. Yes, last night, ladies and gentlemen. The um, Bills make me wanna. That's right. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and uh, Gabe Davis came to town. There they were courtside. Adam White's been the latest uh, celebrities to sit courtside. Adam White's been Spike Lee seats there behind Jim Beheim. They did not bring a win, unfortunately. Now we can't do this anymore. It's over. That's the bad news of bringing our Lord and Savior Josh Allen into the JMA Wireless Dome. You can't top that now. Like that was literally my answer. Who should White's been bringing? Who's the big? Who's the big one he's brought? I'm like, does it get bigger than Josh Allen? And there, Josh Allen was sitting courtside with Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis, a couple other members of the Buffalo Bills, and they did not see a win, unfortunately, for Syracuse and Pittsburgh. So sorry about that, guys. As you know, it's sports for sure, but uh, glad that the boys were in town. And uh, I'll just say that it was certainly delivered to those three that uh, the folks at the best Buffalo Bills bar in the world said hello. And a lot of Bills fans got a chance to say hello as well. So thanks to Adam for that. But now we got to figure something else out because you can't get bigger than those three, particularly our Lord and Savior Josh Allen sitting courtside. Let's get into it, shall we? You're welcome to join the party, by the way, at 437-7644. Brent Axe Media on Twitter and in the chat at QSportsTalk.com. Oh, I didn't mention that? We chat at QSportsTalk.com. We're chatty people like that. We're chatty Cathy's. And Chatty Kevins, for that matter. Shout out to Kev, who's probably in the chat right now. That's throughout the show, by the way. We do not limit your takes, okay? Hot or otherwise, that you want to bring to the table. And during uh, radio breaks, we keep the mic on. We keep the camera on. We just, like I said, we're Chatty Cathy's. We just just can't stop talking. So during commercial breaks, uh, you get the exclusive QSportsTalk.com broadcast. Sometimes with some Naughty words that'll get you on the naughty list. We've been holding back on that because we don't want to be put on the naughty list for sure. Uh, What should be put on the naughty list is the zone defense. Once again last night. Now, look, there's a lot to go over here. There's a lot of layers to peel away from Syracuse's loss to Pittsburgh last night. As I wrote today on Syracuse.com, and as I will uh, somewhat say in, in this monologue here, we saw the best and worst from this team last night. The best is they have a a point guard, a player, a freshman, however you want to label Mint's condition, who's got guts. Now, did Judah Mintz telegraph a pass to Jesse Edwards late in the game that Pitt was able to intercept, like uh, me tracking down a donut? Yes. Was that the best shot that Judah Mintz could have taken at the end of the game? Not really. Everything was good until the last play, and they made a good play defensively, came in front, and uh, pass should have gone to the open guy, but we just didn't see it. By the way, who's cracking open a Pepsi while Bayheim stopped? Pass should have gone to the open guy, but we just didn't see it. Jordan, was that you? Can The man's talking. You know, your Mountain Dew can wait. 
pass should have gone for the open guy, but we just didn't see it. Is that Bayheim cracking his Pepsi? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't get the visual on that. I only. I only listened to the press conference. Anyway, the man's talking. Okay, wait till he's done. Okay. Do I care about any of those things? No, I don't, because Judah Mintz has guts. Judah Mintz is somebody that's like, give me the ball and get out of my way. Now, he's got to be better at the free throw line. He's got a better decision-making. Like These are all workable things. Everything I see from Judah Mintz, I, I can work on that. That's okay. This is good. He'll win games like that sooner rather than later. He will take that experience and learn from it because I've seen him do that already. He learns from his mistakes. He has 27 assists to seven turnovers in the last six games, and this is all workable. These are all the intangibles you need. You do not have the intangibles you need from your starting forwards, as Jim Beheim once again pretty much exasperated at this point said. I thought the last group played as hard as they could play and got us back in there, but you can't start the game out. We just had no effort from our forwards. From the beginning, I mean, it's hard to watch. Um, I thought Q, Q six four. He came in. He got six rebounds in twelve minutes. Benny and Chris got one rebound between the two of them each in twelve minutes. You can't win that way. It's hard. It's hard. Really hard to watch that as a coach. And uh, they made a great effort to come back, but. You just can't play defense. We did this against Cornell, and we did this against Georgetown. And, uh, you know, you just can't keep doing that. It's not gonna, you're not going to be able to overcome that. I really feel for Bayheim there because one thing that a college head coach should not have to tell his players before a game is to go out there and play hard. It's 40 minutes. There's lots of timeouts. You get a halftime. What is required of you is to bust your ass. What is required of you, particularly against Pittsburgh, is to fight, is to rebound. You are a forward. It is in your job description to rebound. And Benny Williams and Chris Bell got one between them. Now, obviously, as we'll get into, you had Malik Brown and Quadir Copeland come off the bench, and at the very least, at the very least, they're giving you that thing that a coach should not remind you you have to do. Malik rebounds, he's learning. He's got a lot to learn about everything we're doing. He's a freshman. In reality, our best lineup out there today was three freshmen, Joe and and Jesse. That was our best lineup. They played the hardest. They're not necessarily the best talent, but they played the hardest. They went after balls, and we're just not doing that with... Benny and Chris are just not playing hard. I, I've tried everything I know how to get them to play harder, and they're just not. It worked for a game, right? Chris Bell, after uh, the Cornell game in the locker room, was saying he took it personally, and he's heard the messages from the coach, and he had five rebounds. Like, okay, we can work with this. And then against the team you absolutely cannot lay back on. That's exactly what they do. So if that's your best lineup, that's the lineup you've got to play. Now, Jim Beheim is not going to change his starting lineup. Perhaps Benny Williams and Chris Bell are on shorter leashes than usual. But if that's your best lineup, you play that lineup. When you come back from the break, it's 10 days from now, so you got some time to let some dust settle, figure some things out. These guys think about it a little bit. That's the advantage you have. But if you come back and you detect some of the same patterns here, if you've done everything you can do, here's the one thing you have not done. You have not changed the lineup. 
that will send the biggest message. There is no bigger message you can send. And this is me talking now. This may surprise you to hear this from me, because what I will tell you all the time is Jim Beheim's starting lineup does not matter. Who's in the game when it matters? Who's in the game playing best, particular to how the game played out? And last night, the way the game played out, it was those five that Jim brought up. Joe, Judah, Jesse, before he fouled out, Malik, and Quadir. Then play that lineup. That's your best lineup. I will sacrifice talent for effort. Because I can work with that. I can't work with you if you're not going to play. So I think, not that it needs my advice, Say, I love the cycle of this. Jim says something at a press conference. I come on the radio and say, well, I I don't know as much basketball as you do, but here's kind of what I do. And then Jim will respond on his radio show tomorrow and on this radio station and, and tell me how much I'm an idiot, which is fine. That's the cycle we go through here. But here's the thing. You haven't done everything you can do. So that's got to be your starting five the next game. If you feel like you've done everything you can do. You also have to play more man-to-man defense. Right out of the gate. Right in the first half. I thought we were doing that, and then it kind of went away. But here's what I know. Pitt, 8 of 19 in the first half. Cornell, 7 of 22 in the first half. It's from the three-point line. Monmouth. Monmouth. 6 of 11 from the three-point line. Georgetown, 4 of 11 from the three-point line. Oakland, exception to the rule. They stunk, 1 of 13. Notre Dame, 8 of 18. Illinois, 5 of 24. Bryant, 5 of 15. Colgate, 11 of 22. Pitt has hit 10 or more three-pointers in six games this year. Syracuse has yet to do that. If you cannot defend the three-point shot, you need to change up the defense. If you cannot hit threes in response to teams hitting threes, you have to do what you can control to start better, and that is on defense. Because what I saw last night with the right lineup and the right effort was good defense that allowed you, the best of you, to overcome a 20-point deficit. Now, you can't play pressure defense for 40 minutes. I get that. The best defense came from desperation. You don't play that card until you absolutely have to. But Bayheim again last night, well, we're not a good pressure team. No, you kind of are. Because you can't come out of a 20-point hole unless you know how to do that. So this cannot be the same thing over and over again. What's the definition of insanity? Now, I'm not saying scrap the zone defense altogether. I'm saying where did the man-to-man go? And if that doesn't work, then you can do what you always do and call me an idiot. Look, we tried it. It didn't work. But here's what I know. The pattern of this team starting slow. And you're not fixing it on offense. Joe Girard, I don't have the clip here, but he said it last night in a clip I was watching on the Internet, so it must be true. In the zone, you have to have effort. Okay, put the guys in the zone that will have the effort. You are saying it yourself. You are telling us every press conference. I've tried everything. They don't listen. Then sit them on the bench until they do. This is where Jim Beheim's starting lineup matters because it's status. And if Benny Williams and Chris Bell know your status is sit over there and you're not going to hear your name on the PA and you're not getting in this game until you absolutely have to or in a different role because you have to play those guys. Okay, I'm not a complete idiot here. Like That's where Jim was talking about with Malik and Ian a little bit with Q. They have a lot to learn. They're not as talented offensively. I mean, Quinnier had a great four-point play last night. Malik can score. He's out there for more of the hustle stuff, the rebounds, the defense. But, see, here's the thing. 
This is break glass in case of emergency. This is stuff I don't say on this show because I agree with Jim. I was a zone defender forever. It's not working. Every team that plays you finds holes in it, moves the ball well, and I just went over the numbers from the three-point line, which you cannot match. It's one thing when you've got a bunch of three-point shooters and you can kind of absorb that and come back with Cole Swider, Buddy Bayheim, Jimmy Bayheim, and you know go through the names in recent years. You don't have that. You're not a good three-point shooting team. You're not going to be a good three-point shooting team. Maybe Justin Taylor evolves. Maybe slowly but surely this gets better. But right now you're not, and you're not going to be. So if you can't counter that, you've got to switch it up. I don't know. And again, folks, we're in break glass in case of emergency mode here. Okay, The man-to-man might not work because here's what the man-to-man takes. It takes effort, just like the zone. The zone is nothing unless you move your butt in the zone. Man-to-man, that's the premise of man-to-man defense. There's number 12. Now stay on them like white on rice. If you don't do that, if you don't have players capable of doing that, I don't blame Bayheim for that. I don't. I completely agree with him that he should not have to tell Benny Williams and Chris Bell at the Division One level in ACC play, hey, guys, you probably should play hard. Hey, do you know that uh, it's part, you're a forward? This is what you do. And it's not like they haven't been told that day after day after day at practice. As the father of a teenager, honey, I love you, but as the father of a teenager, something you tell your kids something over and over and over again, and they don't get it, and you're it's just some point, just like, my God, what do I have to do to get this across to you, right? That's how Jim has to be feeling right now. But he shouldn't have to tell a Division One scholarship basketball player, all right, guys, go out there tonight and make sure you play hard. I mean, that's nonsense. I'm with him there. But I also know you cannot keep doing the same thing and hope it just clicks. It's not working. So if you're getting better effort from those five, you need to play those five. If you're starting slow again and teams are hitting open shots in the zone over and over again and you're not getting the effort out of the zone, then you need to change it up and play man-to-man. And if that doesn't work, then I don't know. Consult Rocky Long and see if there's any elements of the 3-3-5 defense you could bring to basketball. That's where this team is at. Now, they just won five in a row, but see, our worst fears were realized last night and what can happen in ACC play that you got away with in some of these other games. This team can't shoot threes beyond Joe Girard consistently. This team can't defend the three. They can't rebound. They're not getting effort from two starters. But they do have some positive attributes that I brought up that they can exploit, that they can use. But some of those things, when Jim Beheim says, I've tried everything, no, you actually haven't. And I don't know what you're saving them for. You've got to shake it up. I'm just a dopey radio host. I'm not a practice every day. He sees more than I will ever see. He has forgotten more basketball in the last five minutes than I will ever know. But I know I see that. And I know when you say, I've done everything, you know, part of me just wants to scream, actually, no, you haven't. So if it gets to the point where we have to do those things, we shall see. Maybe we're 10 days away from the next game. Maybe Benny and Chris have, you know, get through the holidays, a little self-reflection. They realize the error of their ways. They come back and realize, yeah, you know, probably in ACC games, I should try to rebound. That's, that's probably a good idea. Benny in particular is the, where I'm really puzzled because he went through an entire year last year on the bench 
even I was on this radio show and other people were on everywhere saying, why isn't he playing? Well, maybe we're starting to find out. Chris is still a freshman. I want to give Chris the benefit of the doubt here in a way, but guys, in case you didn't know, league play started last night. You have to try to rebound. They're not just going to come to you. Once in a while, there's a big old bounce off the rim and it it falls right in your lap, but that happens like 5% of the time. Rebounding is 95%. See ball, get ball. Effort, want to. I haven't even scratched the surface of some of the other things I wanted to discuss, but those were the main points. That's what I took away. And my other big fears were Jesse Edwards got into foul trouble, but I'm going to give Jesse the benefit of the doubt. He's earned some mulligans the way he's played this year. So we saw the best and worst of this team. I just don't know if they've got the right stuff to make it through. Last night, we saw all of it. You don't come back from 20 points down if you don't have some guts, you don't have somewhat of the right combination and the right will to do it. That was encouraging that they didn't just fold up like a cheap tent. There's something there, which is why I still have the passion in my voice that I do. If I didn't think they had it, oh boy. I'm talking four days before Christmas about a team that doesn't have it. We're in big trouble. But they do have it because they showed me that last night and they showed you that last night. And I think they showed their coach that last night. On that note, we shall break. We will come back and we'll certainly continue this conversation with you. Chat open at QSportsTalk.com. But the great Noah Eagle will join us. He has been involved with a number of amazing broadcasts lately, including uh, just happens to be the greatest comeback in NFL history this past weekend be fun to catch up with Noah. We'll do that. All the football junkies out there ready for some signing day discussion. We will get to that with Mike McAllister later in the show. Man, we need like four hours today. I might just keep talking. Who knows? Live on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Yeah, baby, welcome back. Great to have you here on the block. ESPN Radio presented by Burdick BMW. Why don't you take your Burdick BMW or whatever car you're driving to Lights on the Lake. It's back, baby. Come on out. Enjoy the beautiful light show. Today is Wednesday, so that'll just cost you 10 bucks. 10 bucks per car load Monday through Thursday. It is 20 bucks uh, on the weekends. Get a $10 gift card from Delta Sonic Car Wash. I really need a car wash. It's that time of year. Like, oh, man. That, that Delta Sonic monthly car wash going to pay off. That's a great holiday gift, by the way. I didn't even get paid to tell you that. Lightsonthelake.com is the website. Uh, not only do you need to know that website for all the information, how you can get some cool add-ons, that's literally where you get your tickets. There are no ticket sales at the gate, which is good, by the way. Just go to lightsonthelake.com, pick the day you want to go, and then you got it. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to, you know, fumble. Do they take cash? Oh, I didn't bring any cash. I didn't bring my, no, like just get it. You got the the ticket for your car load and enjoy. Enjoy Lights on the Lake because it's happening now. Lightsonthelake.com is the website. And on the way out to Lights on the Lake, make sure you can make it a thing with the kids. Pay homage to the undefeated heavyweight champion of the world, the Onondaga Lake Parkway Bridge. Yeah, kids, Lights on the Lake was great, but let me tell you a story about a bridge. And they'll be in awe. In awe, I say. A little bit more on Cruton here. Yeah, the rankings aren't good. 
the rankings are not good. It would certainly be bigger, and we'll get a bump if, in fact, Lenora Seller signs. But as the great Nate Mink tweeted, Syracuse's recruiting ranking hasn't been this low since 2013, before that 2009. What do those two have in common? Both came amid major upheaval and instability in the program. I don't think there's instability in the program. This is a team that's going to a bowl game. This is a team that won seven games this year, could potentially win eight games. Dino Babers does not have a contract extension beyond when we think his contract ends in 2024, so I guess you could cite that. You could recruit against Syracuse in that way. You don't even know if he's going to be there and all the dirty tactics that teams use. But, look, optically, where does Syracuse rank here? Now, remember, it's fluid. They could add some more people. They could add sellers. They could. This is early signing day, remember. this is. It's essentially become signing day, but there's still another signing day. And 247, number 14 in the ACC, 73rd nationally. On three, which is a great service, by the way. On three has been doing a great job if you haven't been following them. Number 14 ACC, number 78 nationally. Rivals, number 14 ACC, number 89 nationally. I think Dino Babers, I don't, I trust me, on a scale of 1 to 10, my criticism here is like a 4. But I think he missed out today because Dino's kind of got this thing where he doesn't like to talk about individual players. That's kind of what signing day's for. Right now, I did appreciate Dino Babers not going down the list. I also appreciated Dino Babers not spewing this crap like Dabo Swinney did. Uh, in God's name, image, and likeness. And that's how I look at it. Mm-hmm. We built this program on NIL. We really did. And and I, it's probably different than what you're thinking, though. We, we built this program uh, in God's name, image, and likeness. And that's how I look at it. All righty then. At least uh, Dino, who is a religious man, by the way, didn't say that, thankfully. And and thankfully, Dino did not say, okay, Jaden Boss, offensive lineman, freshman, 6'6", 300, going to be the greatest offensive lineman ever in the history of Syracuse. Now, I'm not saying do that, but you do kind of have to sell these guys, hype them up a little bit. You got the commitment, let them have their day, right? Different signing days take on different themes, right? Nationally, it's not going to pop. The name that pops in the class is Lenora Sellers, but it does remind you that you cannot go all in on one kid. And that stinks to say that because Jason Beck put in the time, and and again, we don't know yet. Like I'm, I'm not talking posthumously yet on this situation. But if Sellers does flip, and again, I would remind Lenora Sellers, which offensive coordinator has dealt and put your position into the National Football League and which offensive coordinator has failed at the National Football League a number of times. Which program wants you because of where you're from and they want to save face because of that, and which program wants you because you're you? Unsolicited advice here from Uncle Brent in Syracuse, okay? Just think about that. Just think about that. Who put in the time? Who stuck by you during the injury? Who wants you for you? And who wants you to save face? Who wants you to say, whoosh, we kept that guy from going to Syracuse, right? Just keep that in mind. It's a little free advice here on the radio. Anyway, optically it's not good. 
Rankings-wise, it's not good. Uh, Syracuse has got to basically turn around in two years like they did with Sean Tucker, like they did with Matthew Bergeron, like they did with some success stories and say these weren't big-time recruits. What did Dino say today among the players that he mentioned that are now putting their name into the NFL draft? By the way, I mentioned it earlier, but just to reiterate, uh, Matthew Bergeron confirmed with me today he is not going to play in the pinstripe bowl. I think that was expected, but... He did not clarify that, so I reached out, and he said, no, he's not playing in the pinstripe bowl. So no Tucker in the pinstripe bowl, no Bergeron in the pinstripe bowl as they have both put their names into the NFL draft. I think people assume that, but, you know, we like to confirm these things. Dino also today, his first opportunities to talk about his new coordinators and his Babers notes here. This is who calls the plays in the pinstripe. Nick Monroe will call the bowl game, and uh, Jason Beck will call the offensive side on the bowl game. Now, I understand the appeal of Rocky Long. As Dino said today, you bring in somebody of his expertise that can counsel and put out some knowledge to Monroe or anybody that will listen, you have to do that. But I did ask. I said, okay, you upgraded Jason Beck. You knew right away that happened quickly. Did you consider doing the same with Nick Monroe? First of all, that would be personal conversation between me and Nick. I would never say anything like that. Anytime you have the opportunity to get a master, okay, you have to look at it like this. Uh, if you get an opportunity to, to, to work underneath one of the top defensive coordinators, that time you spend with them is going to be growth, and you're going to acquire knowledge. And if you acquire that knowledge, that's going to make your, your company or your situation even better. When you get an opportunity to get Rocky Long, you can't turn that knowledge down. Okay, Not only can I not turn it down, but if you're in that defensive room and you want to run that defense, you can't turn it down either. We're talking about the guy that coached Tony White. We're talking about the guy that coached that other coach who just got a, an opportunity because of something extremely sad happening. Um, but now that person's going to get an opportunity to be a head coach. And they were all coached by this guy that's out, that's on our campus right now that our players get an opportunity to interact with. You can't pass that up. And uh, I think it's a – you guys will decide because you guys are in the media, but I'm okay with the decisions that I made with those two positions. And I think it, it worked out well. Look, when they lost their offensive and defensive coordinator on the same day, that doesn't look good. But they had a ready-made offensive coordinator to step in you trade a 63-year-old offensive coordinator for a 42-year-old offensive coordinator, and no offense to Robert and I, he's got a nice contract in North Carolina State. He's closer to his grandkids, and you know, those two eventually were going to split. Okay, The Jedi taught the Padawan. The Padawan passed the Jedi Council. He's now a Jedi. Defensively, if you can bring in Rocky Long to run the 3-3-5 defense, you need to do it. I was just curious why Nick Monroe wasn't the choice right now. Nick Monroe's going to get to run a defense in the pinstripe bowl and kind of, you know, get his chops a little bit here and learn from one of the best for the next couple of years. In theory, if it goes beyond the next couple of years, because Dino's got to earn that contract extension, his second at Syracuse, I completely agree with that and completely understand why they did it. And on that note, we shall break. We shall come back. We will, you know, recruiting is the unknown. You think you know, but you really have no idea. That kind of describes the blind side. How about that? We'll do it next, Eric.